Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Today rounds out our epiphany themes of God's manifestation to the world. First, on the Feast of Epiphany, we focused our attention on the Magi. And then on the octave of the Epiphany, we focused on Christ's baptism. Today, we focus our attention on John's wonderful story of Jesus' first sign miracle, where he turns the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. John's gospel stories are really all sign stories. They all sort of, John has a way of sort of pulling back and pointing to the great, grand, cosmic, transcendental truths which stretch out over history and on into the eternal age. It's a way of, you know, bringing all of this great mystery to us in these stories in a way that both a child can appreciate and take in, but also which we will never exhaust or really plummet the depths. And this particular story epitomizes his way of doing this. The story begins on the third day. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Well, his readers would have immediately thought, oh, he was in the grave three days. This is going to be a tragic story. Oh, but it's a wedding. It's a wedding. And he also rose on the third day, so maybe it's a tragedy that ends with joy. On the third day, there was a wedding. One of the great motifs in all of Scripture is God's relationship with his people being depicted as a marriage. And this motif, of course, goes all the way back in reality to our first parents, the first man and women, who became one flesh, And this resulted in fruitfulness and life. The prophets go on to speak of God being the husband, his chosen people, Israel, the bride. This relationship is depicted as a marriage. And yet, sadly, this betrothal of God to Israel is a tragic story. We know that Israel often forsook her husband. And yet God, in his mercy and love, remained faithful. And he forgave her again and again, and again. As we read this gospel story this morning, there's no doubt we are meant to reflect on this grand, cosmic, tragic marriage between God and man. But we are also assured that it will end well. The very next thing John says is, and the mother of Jesus was there. Upon introducing this wedding story between God and man, the next most important detail John gives us is that the mother of Jesus was present. She was there at this wedding. This is significant. She's not a B-roll character. She is, according to Jesus, the woman. And the woman was at the center of her son's first miracle. Of course, we've already witnessed the central role that God has prepared for her in the story of redemption. You know the basic scandal of our gospel? 
The basic scandal is that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, this man in the flesh, is also eternal God. That's the essential simple scandal of our gospel. As soon as someone is faced with this assertion, they're staring at Jesus there. As soon as they're faced with the assertion that he is God, their gaze immediately shifts a little bit to the side from him to the one who bore him, to his mother. Without her, he might just be a phantom, a hologram, anything, but not necessarily human. But there she is, standing next to him, his mother, the one who gave birth to him and nursed him, who gave him his flesh, who gave him his very humanity, the woman. So she is quite special in this whole story. The Apostle John is writing about her, by the way, many years after the event. But John is not um, writing about a woman he doesn't know. It was while John was with her at the foot of the cross, comforting her. In that moment, her very son calls her again, woman. And he gives her to John. Behold your mother. And John takes her into his house. And he cares for her until that time that she is taken up to be with her son in heaven. John knew the mother of Jesus very well. She lived and ate and conversed and grew old in his very home. The mother of Jesus, the woman, was at the wedding. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, that's the next important detail. When they ran out of wine, now here we come to the tragic part of our story. There is no wine, and at a wedding, no less. Humanity is barren without the fruit of joy. The meaning of life is just run out. And we have no way, no capacity to celebrate and enjoy the beauty of life. Well, the mother of Jesus said to him, to Jesus, she said, they have no wine. The woman, not the Eve of old who was beguiled by the serpent, but the woman who studied the angel's message and trusted God and had wisdom and discernment. That woman, the true woman in the grand story of things, this woman, God prepared to play a very important central role in his redemptive plan. What was she doing here at this tragic wedding when she says to her son, they have no wine. She is interceding. She is interceding on behalf of humanity who has no wine. She is bringing our need before her son. She is pleading on our behalf. This is our mother and our intercessor. Just as God prepared her to nurture, protect, and guide her son, he has given her as our mother to nurture, protect, and intercede on our behalf. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Woman, again, the same as he called her from the cross. Not in disrespect, but in respect. And this is not just a colloquialism. 
She is, and John wants us to hear this clearly. She is the woman, the new Eve. If Eve was the mother of the living, then Mary is the mother of the living one, Jesus himself. She's also a type of the bride of God and our mother, the church. She is an intercessor to the intercessor. But her request, she makes her request. The funny part of the story is, it's always a little humor in there. The funny part of the story is Jesus says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. He intimates. And then after he says no, there's silence. There's a pause. Nothing is said. There's a great deal for us to learn in that space of silence. Her confidence, her trust, her faith, they ring out in that little silence following Jesus' no. In that empty pause, when the Word Himself did not speak, the woman, the woman, without much ado, confidently gives a command. And her command is echoed out throughout the ages. This command, along with her fiat, first spoken to the angel, in this the woman has taught the world about the one thing most important to our very lives. She says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. We'll return to that in a moment. There were set there six water pots for the purification rites. Notice there are six, they are clay, and they are filled with water. These six clay water pots, they're weak. They represent the weak and insipid six-day covenant of the old order. The water cannot bring eternal joy to this water. They cannot inebriate. They can only wash the external. Well, Jesus listens to his mother, even after he had said no. And he tells the servants to do two things. First, he tells them, fill the water pots with water, which they did. They filled them, in fact, as John details, to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, which they did. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Jesus transformed the water into wine and the latter wine was better than the first, which is to say the new covenant is better than the old. The old Adam, the old paradise, the Garden of Eden, the old covenant, the old manna, the old temple, the old Sabbath, all of it was a type and a shadow of the things to come. The better has come, the fulfillment has come, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. But the message that I want us to focus on today is to listen to Jesus' mother and to turn to her for help as an intercessor. Deacon Doug told me last week in the sacristy, he said he had read somewhere last week, some quote from some saint that said, never trust a priest that doesn't talk a lot about the Blessed Mother of God. He said, well, we can trust you. You talk about her plenty. At least I'm doing something, one thing right. Her command is to all the servants of God, not just those servants there on that day. It is to us as well. 
And she tells us in no uncertain terms, whatever he says to you, do it. Just as she had said to the angel, let it be to me according to thy word. You know, we make things in this life too complicated. Too much psychobabble and rationalizations. We get too caught up in our heads. I'll tell you, we just think too much. We really do. We just think too much. Just stop it. <laughs> you all need to go home and type in uh, Bob Newhart. Stop it. <laughs> Trust me. Just do it. We think too much. It's the logismoi. They're driving us mad. We get lost in our heads. We can't see clearly the way forward. We get confused. Mary is the wise one. She tells us, whatever he says, just do it. It is obedience that will restore us to God. Mary's command cuts through everything, and it brings results. It brings results. I know there can be a little danger of being a results-oriented person. There are those dangers. But Jesus said, go and bear fruit. He didn't say, by the way, go and try and bear fruit. He said, go and bear fruit. At the end, you'll be responsible. He's given you everything you need. There are no more excuses. You're not a victim. And there are no excuses. You'll be held accountable for what God has given you. And he has given you everything. Everything. Every one of us in this room have the same opportunity. You have been given the deposit of the eternal spirit of God. And made new creatures in him. There are no excuses. Go and bear fruit. Whatever he says to you, do it. Eve was deceived because of her disobedience, and she was disobedient because of her deception. Mary is the wise and obedient one, and she is obedient because of her love, and she is wise because of her love. Our job is very simple. It is to be obedient, nothing more, nothing less. Our obedience to God is our trust in God. It is our love for God. So Jesus told them, well, Mary said, do what he tells you. What did he tell them? He said, fill the jars with water, then draw it out and show it to the master of the feast. You and I, we are clay jars. <laughs> because of sin and corruption in this world, we were made originally for honor, but because of sin, our vessel is going to return to the dust. And in large part, the wine has turned to water. This is a great tragedy for all of us. And yet God is merciful. Though we may be frail clay jars with only water to offer, what does he command us? He commands us to offer it. To offer what we have. Take the water to the master, he says. We are to fill our vessel to the brim with whatever water we have, whether weak and insipid as it is, we bring it to the master of the feast. We bring our offering to the church. We bring our need to God. We bring our desire to God. We bring our repentance, our alms, what little good deeds we can manage, our obedience. We bring even our brokenness, our pain, even our complaint and even though we are weak and imperfect and even impure, 
We bring it in obedience, trusting that God will receive it, that God will receive our repentance, that we are, in fact, His very joy. That is faith. That is really what faith is. And that is the only thing that will please God, by the way, is faith. Faith is knowing that you are loved. Not because you are lovable, by the way. Your faith is not in your lovableness. Your faith is in God. That He is the lover of the unlovable. That He has made you and loves you and delights in you. That is faith, knowing that we are loved because He is love and that He receives our offering and transforms it into something glorious because of who He is. You know, we bring our widow's might. What little thing we have, all of it, we bring it. We bring it to His church and we offer Him sacrifice. And He takes what little we have and He transformed it into the very body and blood of our Savior, we offer Jesus to the Father. That's what becomes of our little penance. And He gives it back to us. God turns our insipid water into wine. He gives us back the very blood of Christ. And His blood inebriates us and unites us to God in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then He calls us sons and daughters, inheritors, of His very majesty and glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.